0: Welcome back to the Chasing Truth Podcast. I'm Presley. And I'm Grace. And we hope you've had a wonderful week. We're glad you're back. And we are releasing this episode the Saturday before Easter. So we just wanted to start by saying happy Easter. We hope it's a wonderful weekend of time spent with your family and just time spent reflecting on the resurrection of Christ and the message of the gospel. And the huge implications it has in our lives today. Yeah. And this is going to come as a big surprise to you guys. Like, <laughs> this
1: is really, really kind of just not in the yeah. norm. We For don't usually chasing- do this on yeah. our,
0: on the Chasing Truth podcast. Yeah,
1: well, so here, I'll just say it, I guess. Today, we're going to be talking about the gospel.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know, I feel like we've never done this I before. Know. our audience will be shocked. <laughs>
1: so crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, So, no surprise (laughs) at all, but on Easter weekend, we are going to talk about the gospel. Did we plan it that way? And every weekend, we're going to talk about the gospel. (laughs) No,
1: but really, we did not, we, I think it was Monday, we were working on this, and we were like, oh my goodness, Easter is on Sunday, how perfect. Yeah,
0: well, we always plan to center it around the gospel, but this is like, gospel specific. So yeah, this is perfect. Yeah.
1: So do you want to talk about what specifically yes. we'll be talking about? So
0: we are getting into a series on gospel doctrine. So today we'll just be diving deeper into doctrines surrounding the gospel. And a doctrine is basically just a set of beliefs or principles. And in our first part of this mini series, kind of within our overall Bible how series, to, how to read the Bible for what the Bible really says. Yes we will be discussing the doctrines of condemnation and justification. And in the coming weeks, we want to get into talking about regeneration, sanctification, glorification, all of those. So we're thinking this will be a two to three part series, Um, but throughout it all, So we've talked about previously many times our love for the book of Romans and how it just perfectly walks us through these major doctrines of the gospel. So throughout this series, we will try our best to just stick in Romans and just be kind of doing a flyover view of the major doctrines of the gospel within each chapter of the book of Romans. Yeah.
1: And we're so excited to be talking about these things. One, because Obviously, we love talking about the gospel. <laughs> that should be no surprise to you guys. Mm-hmm. But two, because these doctrines just give us so much of a better understanding of what the gospel is and you know what the gospel does. And as a result of this, it enables us to know God better and to praise God better. Mm-hmm. So I know that a couple weeks ago, we talked about how a lot of people, and I can relate to this a great deal, but for a lot of people, the gospel... The life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, it can become seemingly basic or mundane a lot of times. And our hope in this episode and in the episodes to follow will be that you will never think that the gospel is ordinary, that you never think that the gospel is mundane or basic ever again. Mm-hmm. And just tying this episode again to our series on how to read the Bible for what the Bible really says. If we don't understand the gospel, it becomes very hard for us to understand God's word because like we've talked about, the gospel is the whole point of the Bible. It's the foundation for our relationship with God. It's really just the key to everything. So we want to make sure that we understand it as fully as we can and that we talk about how important it is and talk about it as much as we can.
0: So, Mm -hmm.
1: yes, exactly. So I guess the first question to ask,
0: I guess, is just, Presley, how are we saved? Yes. So the short answer to this, it's through trusting in Jesus. Um, And this is true. That's it. That's that's the message of the gospel. Trust in Christ and you will be saved. The gospel, well, repent and believe is tied into that. Yes. But it truly is simple. Yet, although it is simple, that response entails a lot more depth than most people realize. Mm -hmm. There's so much more surrounding it. Um, So that's kind of what we want to get into.
1: Yeah. And I guess I just want to go back to, I know, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, but we talked about the gospel and how it can become mundane. And we also said that for a lot of people, the gospel, and again, I'll define it, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. People, they they grasp that concept. They know it. They learned it in Sunday school. It's pretty essential. But we fail to go further and fail to try and understand the gospel by asking the questions of why. Why did Jesus die? And why did he have to die? Yeah, exactly. And the answer is that we need Jesus because in our natural state, We are condemned to the wrath of God. We are condemned to separation from God. And we are condemned to an eternity in hell. Mm. So first, let's look at what condemnation is and what condemnation means to the gospel.
0: Yes. And as we talked about before, we're going to try and stay in Romans throughout this episode. So you can know and go read for yourself um, this information in the word of God and know that it is truth And we're not making things up. Yeah, (laughs) it is the gospel. So starting with the message of condemnation, and we start, we like to start by defining our terms. So the definition of condemnation is to be declared guilty, to pronounce to be wrong or to disapprove of. And ultimately, it means to be unrighteous. So jumping into Romans, let's start in chapter one. So Paul begins his letter by proclaiming the gospel and saying he is not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. After saying this and beginning his letter with this proclamation, he then immediately jumps right into the wrath of God and the sin of man in the second half of the first chapter. So right after this, he starts in verses 18 through 21, saying that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So this is brilliant of Paul to initially jump into, after proclaiming the gospel, initially jump into the sin of man, because we can't understand the significance of the gospel or know why we need to be saved if we first don't know, you know, what we're, what we're being saved from. And right away, we see God through Paul pronouncing humanity as condemned. God declares all men to be unrighteous, and he is rightly full of anger and wrath towards humankind for suppressing the truth and not acknowledging God or giving thanks to him due to the futility of our minds. And ultimately, this is the problem, and this is why we need Christ. Yeah, that's true.
1: and it's hard to take. Um, that that can be hard to listen to. And you Mm -hmm. may be thinking to yourself, you know, you know, is this true? Because it contradicts my idea of God's loving nature. It contradicts the idea of God is love. Why would he, why would God send people to hell? Like that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a valid question. I've asked that question many times. Yeah. Or why would God allow people to go to hell? Right. Right. Well, all of those. We're not being hyper-Calvinist here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I'm just saying like yeah, those yeah, are yeah. valid questions no, I that I have asked throughout my lifetime and I know other people do as well. And another question you may be thinking is, you know, I have avoided this. I'm a good enough person. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that I'm safe because of the good things that I've done.
0: Yeah. People kind of weigh their morality on a scale. Yeah. in or comparatively of like, Mm -hmm. oh, I've done enough good to outweigh the bad. Yeah, I think I'll, you know, cross my fingers, I'll get into heaven.
1: Yeah. So this is where we really have to get into defining um, the concept of total depravity or the idea that all humans are sinful and deserving of God's wrath. And this isn't something that anyone just made up. This isn't something that John Calvin just woke up one day and decided to throw in some five points. I don't know. Um,
0: (laughs) I found this out. I didn't know this. He didn't make those five points. They were kind of um, compiled later on by like just going through his writings and theology. Oh. Um, but he didn't like sit down and make the But he the did five write points. the idea. Oh well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But he didn't come up with tulip. That's I interesting. I didn't know that.
1: If anyone didn't know, I have tulip on my airpods. <laughs> They're engraved. I did yeah. not do that, but it was a gift to me of from someone who knows me very well. <laughs> Anyways. We didn't make the, nobody made this up. It all stems from Romans chapter three. And in chapter three, verse 10 through 12, it says that none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside and together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So this is why, and I love, I'm going to quote R.C. Sproul because he just said it so well. He said, we are not sinners because we sin." We sin because we are sinners. And I'm going to actually quote R.C. Sproul again. And he says that the idea of total depravity doesn't mean that all humans are as wicked as they could possibly be. I personally would change that to say that, you know, total depravity doesn't mean that God allows humans to be as wicked as they could possibly be. But that's just a side note. Anyways, R.C. Sproul continues with, it means that the fall was so serious that it affected the whole person. The will, according to the New Testament, is now in bondage. We are enslaved to evil impulses and desires of our hearts, the body, the mind, the will, the spirit, indeed the whole person, have become infected by the power of sin. And when R.C. Sproul says in bondage, it means in bondage to sin, as in a sin nature. So um, when Adam first sinned, the entirety of the human race was then affected by by
0: sin and then separated from God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do we, with that, do you want to get into original sin slightly? <laughs> I guess, I guess we
1: kind of could. Um, So for those of you listening, Mm -hmm. original sin is the idea and it comes from um, the latter half of Romans 5, where it says that for by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So this Mm -hmm. refers to the fall Adam. And it also says in Romans 5, it says that, you know, Adam's sin was not like our sin. Like mm-hmm. Adam, he was in perfect communion with God. He had a perfect relationship with God because there was no sin to separate them. Yeah. But then Adam sinned. And now because of that sin, the entirety of the human race, the entirety of, you know, all humanity is then at odds with God, because like, we'll talk about God is holy and sin cannot be in a relationship with him. So that's kind of the idea of original sin. We won't get really into it just because I don't feel confident or knowledgeable enough to explain it fully but that's kind of the idea and I would really mm. encourage you guys to start looking into it on your own and dm us and help us out <laughs> yeah. because we would love to
0: do a whole episode on it um, and the doctrine of like federal headship kind yeah, of is yeah. tied with that too that yes we are under adam That's in Romans
1: six more. So I think like you're either like the idea that you can't serve two masters
0: and you're either a slave to sin or you're alive in God. Yeah. Well, and go back, go read that the second part of that verse again, because that goes into federal headship, federal headship by one man's disobedience. Many were made sinners. So by one man, one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And that's referring to Christ. So we are either under, and we've talked about this. Yeah, previously, but those are just the key terms to know we go on rabbit trails.
1: This is kind of a <laughs> rabbit trail. And I I do also want to say that just because I feel like I have to clear this up. But when we are in Christ, when we're in the new Adam, Jesus is referred to as the new Adam. When we are made righteous by one man's obedience, which is Jesus dying on the cross, we do still sin. Mm-hmm. And this is confusing. And this is what Romans 6 and 7 gets into. But we have hope because in Romans 8, 1, it says that sin will have no victory over us in the end. Mm-hmm. So we may still be sitting here on this earth, but because we have been justified by God, which is what we'll get into. Romans 8, 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation. So yes. There's no, there's no wrath. The wrath of God has been satisfied
0: for those who have put their faith in Christ. Exactly. Yes. But getting back on topic and talking about the initial, <laughs> the initial Adam, us being condemned, can you explain why that makes sense that we are condemned and sinners inside of a holy God? Yeah. So with what we've talked about in Romans
1: 3, this is where everything makes sense. Condemnation mm-hmm. exists because it has to. God is a just God. And today you hear the word justice used in many different forms. So I guess I'll just specify that God's nature of justice is retributive. Retributive justice is, well, in a human term or in a human context, the idea of maybe a criminal justice system would be a criminal justice system that is based on punishment rather than rehabilitation. J.I. Packer said it really well in his book, Knowing God, when he stated that the heart of justice, which expresses God's nature, is retribution, the rendering of persons what they have deserved, for this is the essence of the judge's task to reward good for good and evil with evil is natural to God so to God because of his nature of justice it is natural for him and because it is natural for him it is reality to us to condemn sin and this is why in Romans 1:3 it says that God's righteous decree is that those who practice such things deserve to die. And then going on to Romans 6, 9, it says he will render each one according to his works. And then in Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. So again, just to, I guess, reiterate, condemnation exists because it has to. And um, condemnation, even though it may not, it may not seem like it aligns with your idea of God's love. Just remember that, your idea is different than the Bible's idea. And the Bible's idea is literally God's word
0: communicating
1: Mm -hmm. with us who he is. So we don't want to be making up a false God. We don't want to be um, making a God that we are only comfortable with us. We want a God who can save. So let's look at what scripture says about our God. And I promise just hang tight. It's all going to make sense. And you will be worshiping God by the
0: end. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, Kind of transitioning into a different side point of this conversation, let's consider our condemnation in light of what God requires of us. Mm -hmm. So out of our understanding that God is just, he's holy, and he is right to punish our sin, what does he require in order for us to come into a right relationship with him or to be saved? So then jumping to chapter two of Romans, Paul states God's requirements for us to come into this relationship by saying, in Romans 2, 12 through 13, that all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Hmm. So God requires that we obey his law. And then again, Romans 3 19 through 20 says that now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So then we see that no human being will be justified in his sight by obeying the law. So God requires that we obey his law and that we be holy and perfect as he is, in order to come into this relationship with him. But then he says, this is something we'll never be able to do. So So it's kind of a conundrum. This is an absolute conundrum. (laughs) So why would God, why does God do this? And this is exactly what we've talked about so many times before, but this is exactly the point. The law makes us aware of our sin to point us to Christ. The law makes us aware of our shortcomings and our inability to be enough and our Our inability to save ourselves in order to point us to someone who can, which is Christ. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So I guess to bring this in with um, what we've talked about with condemnation and now bringing it into, you know, what does God require of us to um, avoid our condemnation, to avoid the, the punishment that we deserve? Just to reiterate, because God is holy and perfect and perfect to the point that sin cannot be in a relationship with him. Salvation demands that we also be perfect. That's yeah, what the law is with demanding, the law. that yeah. we be perfect, we be holy. But it's something that is unattainable <laughs> because of the nature that we were born into. We were condemned. I mean, before we were, we before we took our first breath, we mm-hmm. were condemned to punishment Yep, because we were not God, not God. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that goes back to what we've talked about with, you know, the solution to sin isn't just less sin. You mm-hmm. can't just stop sinning to, you know even it out. The solution to sin is forgiveness in what Jesus did on the cross. Exactly. And on the cross, Jesus, he took our sin. So this is where we get into the idea of imputed righteousness. The idea that when Jesus died on the cross, he traded his perfect righteousness with our sins, with the sins of all, and not just all people, but all who would put their faith in Christ.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So that When he died, the wrath of God was satisfied for all who put their faith in Christ. So
0: this is called imputed righteousness, and the result of it is justification. Yes, exactly. So this transitions into the second doctrine that we are talking about today, which is justification. And to define our terms again, justification means to be declared righteous with what you just talked about of Mm -hmm. imputed righteousness, Christ's righteousness, his perfection is put onto our account. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a bank account, except ours is eternally in debt and we will never be able to repay it on our (laughs) own. Christ fulfills it. And it's, it's the idea too that now when God sees you, He
1: sees you not just for who you are in your condemned state, but he sees you for the imputed righteousness that Jesus died for, Mm -hmm. that Jesus has died for your sin. So when he sees you, there's no longer anything separating you from him. You are able to live in a relationship with Christ and live in a relationship with God so that when you
0: die, you can be with him in heaven Mm -hmm. and the sin doesn't keep you out of it. Exactly. Yes. So justification to be declared righteous. um, And we kind of already explained this, but I just want to define it in defining terms. But righteousness is to have fulfilled the law. One who is righteous has fulfilled the law and met the requirements of perfection and holiness that God requires, which as we talked about previously, we cannot fulfill the law. Mm -hmm. That is why we need Christ. So so just to tie it all together, if we are justified, we are declared righteous as upholders of God's law. And as Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those mm-hmm. who are in Christ, for those who have been given the righteousness of Christ onto their account and are now seen in his perfection. Mm-hmm. There's now no condemnation for us. This is the beauty of mm-hmm. the gospel that it is completely Christ doing not us, because as we talked about, we couldn't do anything to begin with. Right. We deserved the wrath of God. We were unable to
1: earn forgiveness and to avoid the wrath of God, but God, yeah, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. God traded with us, Mm -hmm. our sinful state with his perfect righteousness. Guys, that is not a fair trade. No, there's nothing fair about that. Mm -hmm. And... This is just what there's so, there's just so much peace in this with sometimes we get caught up in worldly things like, oh, that's not fair. Oh, equality. Like mm-hmm. nothing about real life in the reality of God's perfect will is fair. We have been given so much, so much that we don't deserve. And that's what, like literally every spiritual blessing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to End by tying this all back to Easter, just so we can just I mean end by meditating on the beauty of Christ's resurrection and just the beauty that He his death on the cross satisfied the wrath of God and made a way for his righteousness to be imputed to us, made a way for our condemnation to be canceled through justification. I mean, it's just incredible. That's so good, so good. And then on Easter, we celebrate. God not only dying for our sins
1: but rising again and a lot of people kind of get confused I've had a couple people tell me that Christ's death on the cross isn't what saved you it was his resurrection but I want to clear this up because in Hebrews nine twenty two it says indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And this chapter is referring to Jesus's death on the cross being, um, it's kind of symbolic of the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And um, just to kind of clear things up, Jesus's death is what satisfied the wrath of God, but his resurrection from the death is our hope. Mm -hmm. And it's our hope that one day we will rise since we have been crucified with him, since we have through his death, traded our sinful nature with his righteousness. We have hope that one day we will rise again, that one day we will be with him in heaven for eternity without sin to separate us from him. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. is what we celebrate on Easter. And I hope that because of this, and because of what we're going to be talking about in the next several weeks, you will never look at the gospel and say, Oh, that's basic. I want more that Mm -hmm. you'll never look at the gospel and say, I've heard it a million times because it's just so essential. And trust me, I've been one of those people. I've been one of those people that, you know, was kind of tired and bothered
0: by hearing the gospel over and over and over again, but I just didn't understand it. So I hope to praise God that he allowed you to come into an understanding of it. And he continues to give you Mm -hmm. the desire to talk about the gospel and learn about it and read from his word because If we are continuously pointing ourselves to the gospel, we're continuously reminded that it's not us. So often I try to do things on my own or I get kind of frustrated with myself because I'm not in God's word enough. But but it's solely his working in me that would give me that desire and just seek to live in a way that glorifies him.
1: Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so next, well, I think we're going to do an interview with our local pastor on justification.
0: We're yes. really, really excited for that. Yes. Just because he knows infinitely more than we do. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't get super in-depth on justification today. I mean, we did, but there's there's so much more we could talk about. So yeah. next week we will be getting further in-depth on that. And, and then after that, we're going to be talking about, um,
1: so what then? what's next? Romans Mm -hmm. six starts with, you know, now that we have been saved, do we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By By no no means. means. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about uh, regeneration, sanctification, and then
0: glorification. So yes, stick around. I'm so excited. All right. Well, have a wonderful Easter weekend and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.